What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Zach Attacks. This is going to be my first episode of 2024, and I'm really excited to start getting back into this. We're going to change up the format a little bit more, hopefully so that I can put out more podcasts for you guys and just for me because this is fucking fun. What we're going to do is I'm going to kind of treat this a little bit more like a radio-style show. We're going to focus mainly on music and movies. We're going to talk about pop culture, all kinds of shit. We're going to lean in a little bit more into like the metal and horror world, but I'm going to talk about everything. We're going to start off with a movie news segment for today, and starting off, we're going to talk about the uh, the Oscars are coming up on March 10th. They're going to be hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. So March 10th, you still have enough time to really... Watch a lot of these movies if you haven't seen them yet. For as long as I can remember, I've always tried to watch all the movies nominated for at least Best Picture whenever the Oscars are starting to come up, just so that I'm in the loop. And, you know, a lot of the times there are some great movies on here that otherwise I wouldn't have watched unless they were nominated for Best Picture. Now, looking at the list of movies from this year, there's still a lot of them that I haven't seen. Now, in terms of ones that I still totally do want to see, Poor Things and Past Lives are two that I'm definitely definitely going to try and watch before the Oscars. But so far, the ones that I've seen on the list are just Barbie and Oppenheimer. I tried to watch uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon, which is, of course, the new Martin Scorsese film that has Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro in it, and it's a three and a half hour long movie. I got about a half hour into this thing, and I fell asleep. It's hard to do that to Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Robert De Niro. Like, statistically, this movie works out as being a total banger. So, I gotta give it another try to watch. Um, If you look up the description on Wikipedia, the movie is set in 1920s Oklahoma, and it focuses on a series of murders of the Osage members and relations in the Osage Nation, which is an Indian tribe. I'm probably even saying that wrong. But after oil was discovered on tribal land, the tribal members had retained mineral rights on their reservation, but a corrupt local political boss sought to steal the tribal members' wealth. Other movies up for nomination this year include The Holdo, which has Paul Giamatti in it and it's about some kids uh, I guess in like high school that uh, end up staying over the holidays and guess whatever I think they made a movie about something like that before but I mean that one sounds like a cool one we got American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, Past Lives, Poor Things and The Zone of Interest they're all up for best picture and if you go onto the Oscars website you, you can actually make your picks on which ones you think are gonna win I feel like at this point I haven't really seen enough of them to make the picks myself if I get through a couple more of these this week i'm definitely gonna do that also in movie news over the past couple days uh dune 2 premiered in london and apparently it's fantastic like people were shitting themselves over fucking dune 2 that's gonna be out in america on march 1st it's got florence pogue timothy chalamet who i just saw the wonka movie and it was actually pretty fucking good i didn't get through all of dune 1 but Maybe in preparation for this one, I will. We got Zendaya in there. Plenty of really good, well-known actors. Austin Butler. Like, the list goes on and on of hot upcoming actors that are in Dune. So, and if they're saying that this one's so great, it's got to be something worth checking out. And Madam Web, which uh, premiered on Valentine's Day, currently has a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, of course, stars Dakota Johnson and Sydney Sweeney. I always root more for, like, Spider-Man, Sony movies 
movies that are coming out like Venom and Morbius to actually be like really good because they're more so the characters that I'm interested in than like Thor and Captain America but they always end up being complete stinkers was gonna go see this in the movie theater but it looks like at this point it's probably safe to say it's gonna be streaming in a month so why not save your money and then finally for movies this week we're gonna do a little segment called uh movies I watched this week and I think I saw some pretty good movies this week first one I want to talk about is the movie paint starring Owen Wilson which is kind of like some weird satire movie on the life of Bob Ross um his character's name in the movie is not Bob Ross I think probably because what they do in the film doesn't necessarily go with Bob Ross's life exactly but it's pretty cool so it's you know he's doing his painting show he's like 20 years in at this point and they decide to hire some younger woman to come in and paint after him and she's a little bit more diverse in the painting world than just doing some landscapes like him and so ultimately kind of leads to him being fired and looking back on his life and all the decisions that he's made honestly it's pretty freaking funny and entertaining this came out in 2023 uh owen wilson was catching a lot of slack around the time that this came out about i guess like being like a bad dad or something so maybe this movie was kind of passed over you know whether or not he was a bad dad or not he still is totally capable of playing this uh sleazy part that he has in the movie anyway but yeah i definitely would recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it yet or probably didn't even hear about it and then also i saw ghost world this week from 2001 which is a movie that i remember seeing like in blockbuster and always wondering if it was like a horror movie and it turns out that it's like it's like a coming of age comedy that um has scarlett johansson in it when she was really young and then also it has uh steve buscemi in it which is kind of cool because he has a little bit more of a starring role than i'm used to seeing him having movies and basically it's about these two girls who just got out of high school and they're trying to figure out what they're gonna do with their life from then and uh they like to fuck with people so they decide to call some guy who in the newspaper puts out an ad saying that he had met some woman and wanted to see her again and they call up saying that they are this woman and and wait at the restaurant while he gets embarrassed and from there one of them not Scarlett Johansson takes like quite a liking to him and Scarlett Johansson goes and moves on and is like trying to get her first job and apartment and stuff like that and it's like you know just the contradiction of the different ways that that people handle you know starting their time in real life and you know like the mistakes that we make and stuff like that um it's a pretty good movie uh it has like a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes which is another thing like just scrolling through that made me want to check this one out um i haven't seen it in all this time since 2001 so i'm sure that some of you probably haven't and would really enjoy it as well and then in music news we'll start with something for the hardcore kids have heart is back so they're playing their first show since 2019 if you don't know who who have heart are they're from boston massachusetts they are probably one of the greatest hardcore bands of all time they only put out two albums an ep and like a single or something like that and you could probably listen to their whole discography in under two hours but the lyrics the meaning behind their songs like the energy that they get from the crowd like easily one of the greatest hardcore bands of all time they broke up in 2009 and then they played a couple shows in 2019 and now they're back for it says five shows so they're playing in detroit michigan they're playing in manchester los angeles 
Brooklyn, and Boston, which fucking sucks because they're not coming to Philly, but Half Heart is fucking phenomenal. If you haven't listened to their music, absolutely check them out. And this is without a doubt a huge deal if you're a hardcore fan. And of course, this past Sunday, Usher played the Super Bowl. Didn't get any Justin Bieber. Apparently, the reason Justin Bieber didn't come out with Usher is because he just wasn't in the mindset to do something that big at this point in time. Also, as many people know, I've seen plenty of articles about Usher not getting paid to do the Super Bowl, which is, of course, true. You have to basically decide that you're going to do this show in return for the, as they have put it this year, $52 million worth of like advertising and recognition that you're getting from doing this event. And Usher did a great job. He did a medley of about 13 to 16 different songs spanning through his career he didn't really go too far into like his new music with it he really did a good job of staying in the realm of like the prime of his career it was a really sick show of course he'd been playing in vegas all of the last year and he had done like a roller skating bit at every one of his shows there and he incorporated that into his super bowl performance which was really cool a lot of people obviously made a big deal about the way he was uh holding on to alicia keys which is of course you know what he had to do to keep up the uh, reputation of My Boo from 2004, and Swizz Beats, who is the husband of Alicia Keys, gave uh, his full consent on this, even though the internet was mad about it. But yeah, Usher at the Super Bowl, pretty fucking cool. I think that the key to picking a good artist for the Super Bowl is picking somebody that's multi-generational, who, you know, not only the 18-year-olds are going to listen to and think are, like, a cool artist, but also that people in, like, their 50s are thinking is a cool artist. And I think that Usher checks the boxes for that, and I think that Usher checks the boxes for that in 2024. I got the chance to see Usher um, at Jingle Ball in December, which was a really cool opportunity, but if anybody doesn't know, Jingle Ball is a it's an iHeartRadio tour that moves from city to city and has a different group of artists play at each one to basically promote them. So at these shows, the artists don't really get a lot of time. Usher was slotted for about a half an hour and probably played for about 45 minutes to an hour, and it was a completely different vibe than he had at the Super Bowl performance for sure, like a lot more stripped down and, and a personal experience, and Usher was really into that, and um, I think the fans were too. But for me personally, seeing all the shows that he did in Vegas, like I was expecting roller skates, and I didn't get roller skates. Really glad that the roller skates were there at the Super Bowl. And then, of course, we have to talk about Mr. Kanye West this week. Um, of course, we got to start by talking about the, uh, the message that came out from Ozzy about sampling one of his live performances before the album actually dropped at one of his listening parties, which of course Kanye is known for doing now, going to several cities and showing the music before it actually gets released and the track list gets changed a million times and then he gets caught with a bunch of these things where he sampled shit he wasn't supposed to. But Ozzy came out and, well, Ozzy or Sharon or somebody, Ozzy's team, and said that Kanye West is an anti-Semite and he does not promote the fact that he is using this live rendition of what started as War Pigs went into being, I think, like Iron Man or something. But I've heard a little rumor that it wasn't actually Ozzy singing, but Ozzy being all fucked up and saying something that kind of falls in line with Kanye's views. And it was more so like... Kanye backing himself up on all the shit that he's been saying and putting an audio clip of Ozzy from like 
the fucking 70s saying something similar, which is, of course, something him and his team would not like to be re-aired. The Kanye album, Vultures, also dropped. It's pretty good, but fuck them. And then finally, the uh, nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame have been announced for this year, and Ozzy is the only metal artist on the list. Um, I think Ozzy definitely deserves to get in. Some of the other artists that are nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year include Peter Frampton, Cool in the Gang, Foreigner, Oasis, A Tribe Called Quest, Sage, Sinead O'Connor, Mary J. Blige, Eric B. and Rakim, Dave Matthews Band, Lenny Kravitz, Mariah Carey, Jane's Addiction, and Cher. And now on to new music releases this week. In metal, we have Kitty releasing Eyes Wide Open, which is their first song in 13 years, and they're now signed to Sumerian Records, which is pretty cool. Uh, Kitty's a kick-ass band. I remember getting one of their CDs, like, early getting into metal. It's an all-female group, and they're fucking heavy as hell. It's good to have them back. They've played a couple shows already. I think they just announced the tour as well. I'm really excited for their music. It still sounds fresh and tough, and, of course, Sumerian Records is pretty funny because they were one of the uh, one of the labels that were, you know, super huge in the early 2010s, but you don't hear too much about them anymore. But I'm glad they got Kitty. I think that's definitely going to do some good for them. Honestly, pretty slow week for metal. We also got uh, Dreadbringer, which is aborted featuring uh, Shadow of Intent. It sounds like just some some really heavy shit. Like, it's definitely not like one of those tracks that really stood out to me in any way. But give me a break. I've only listened to this song one time so far. Aborted definitely takes a couple listens to figure out what the fuck's going on. Now, their new album's coming out soon, and it has tons of guest vocalists on it. They already have a song featuring the lead singer of uh, Despised Icon. The album's gonna be tough. Uh, this single wasn't like i said didn't stand out in one listen but they definitely got some cool shit coming out and then also fever 333 is back after everybody quit something like that but they're back with new music and their message kind of stays the same they're very politically charged kind of rage against the machine type of band butler's energy is unlike anybody else's so fever 333 remains an incredible band whether or not i like their music or not because live they're just that interesting to see their new song is called ready rock and the cover art says rock music Music is black music and you know if you look at the new lineup they have it seems to be an all african-american lineup and they're tough as hell like if you haven't heard of 333 you missed the whole first wave but definitely check them out and also anything jason butler's ever worked on the let live albums are some of my favorite kind of post-hardcore releases which was the band he was in before all right now we're gonna get into some some normie music so if you're here for the metal stuff you're gonna learn a little bit about that or if you're listening to the metal stuff and had no idea what i was talking about here's the music that you do care about so beyonce released two new songs during the super bowl they're both country songs um and they're both actually pretty fucking good like i don't typically like her music that much but both of these are really solid tracks they're called texas hold'em and 16 carriages both pretty good um if you saw there was a whole big thing over a radio station a country radio station uh that kept getting requests to play beyonce and they said no they're a country station they can't play beyonce and now they're under a bunch of fire for not playing these tracks but beyonce's country and apparently this isn't her first time uh she's got a song daddy lessons with the dixie chicks that came out and like 2016 and apparently from what i've heard her goal now is to do three acts with renaissance and the next act after this country album is going to be a rock album vampire weekend also released two new songs for the first time in five years their last album father of the bride which was like probably one of my favorite albums of 2019 and the song capricorn definitely has that kind of feel to it and the other one gen x cops 
it was pretty good too. I'm definitely excited for New Vampire Weekend. And then Pearl Jam is back with their new song, Dark Matter. It wasn't one of my favorites. I, I don't think Pearl Jam fans even really care when they release a new album. They more so care about the tour, which is of course also announced. And they're going to be in Philly on two dates off the top of my head. I believe they're playing the Wells Fargo Center on September 7th and 9th. But they got a full tour going on and... All the Pearl Jam fans rejoice because you know they're going to play for like three fucking hours on every show. And then the rapper Yeet released his new album today, which was called 2093. Now, Yeet's the first rapper I think that I listened to and I went, fuck, I'm getting too old for rap music. Because this is, to me, it's complete shit. Like, it's just all ad libs. There's not like real verse structure. Um, Yeah, people really like Yeet. Uh, His song with Drake on his last album went like super crazy but like to me this shit's just horrible it's like super meme worthy and just like kind of a joke of rap music but you know the kids like it and uh rumor has it he's about to release another album after this album that just came out today like within hours from now the amount of time it takes for this guy to just kind of go in the booth just do his thing and just release these songs that people are eating up right now. Him and Playboy Cardi really, for me, are the ones that make me question, like, the future of rap for sure. But there's plenty of other good rap tracks that came out this week. We have new tracks from Gunna. We have new. We have a new track from Polo G, new track from Bryson Tiller. Um, and all of these are really good tracks by the each individual. They're very much within their style, so I don't really see any of them, like, blowing up or being, like super huge hits but it just means that all of them are in the writing process right now and then also schoolboy q who i didn't mention he has a new song that just came out too all of these like i said very much like the type of stuff that you'd expect from them i don't think any of them are going to be groundbreaking but i do think that means that all of them are in album mode honestly Gunna's not one of my favorite but i'd say of all the tracks that i just mentioned being new bryson silla new polo g like honestly gunna had the best track of any of them and his new track's called bittersweet which it seems like from the track itself has a little bit of intentionality being released the week of valentine's day dua lipa also has a new song that just came out called training season and it is a dua lipa hit it's really dancey it's got a really good chorus this song would definitely play perfectly if you listen to it in a row with dance the night away we also have a new album from j-lo she's putting out music she's in movies j-lo's doing her thing now um yeah respect to j-lo but honestly i'm not i wasn't gonna listen to the whole j-lo album i listened to like one song on it and it was it was okay um you know jenny from the block still gets her respect but i might see one of your movies i'm definitely not gonna make it through the album and then finally mariah carey is on the remix of ariana grande's latest single um yes and and it's pretty solid. I'd rather listen to the regular version of the song. I'm not really too interested in what Mariah Carey's got going on right now. Ariana Grande clearly has a lot of stuff going on right now, too. Uh, we had the trailer for Wicked come out this week, and people are hype as fuck about going to see Wicked. And uh, this album's going to probably come out uh, around the same time. And, and Ariana Grande, lover or hater, is going to have quite a year in 2024. And then finally, this, this was going to be a movie news, and I forgot about it. But uh, the Bob Marley movie One Love just came out today, too. Currently, it has a 46 on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't so great. It seems like the movie probably focuses more on kind of more on him as an activist than like we're used to with some of these like music movies where it tells the story of the artist themselves. But I mean, 
people from Delaware always love to talk about how Bob Marley's from Delaware, and I'm sure that they're going to go in flocks to go see this movie. Regardless, I hear that the soundtrack that they got for it's really great. Haven't gotten a chance to check that out yet. But we got the Bob Marley movie One Love out in theaters now. And then for our final thing that we're going to talk about today... Splash. Gotta get the beer crack in there still. Uh, We're going to do a top five list, which, uh, you know, people fucking love lists, so... I like making lists. Let's do it. Um, So we're going to start off with something negative because, you know, people might get mad and sometimes that's a good reaction. So I'm going to do a top five list of the most overrated metal bands, in my opinion. You know, you got to say my opinion, but I think I'm spitting fucking facts on this one. All right. At number five, we have Godsmack. I remember being in middle school and getting into metal and some like older kid coming up to me and being like, yeah. What's your favorite Godsmack song? And I'm like, uh, I stand alone? And he's like, good answer. It's like, yeah, that's the most fucking popular Godsmack song. And, you know, the thing is that Godsmack isn't a bad band. Like, objectively, they're like a good, like, rock band. But see, the thing is they play a lot of metal festivals, and they just got announced as one of the headliners on the Incarceration Festival, which me and my girlfriend, Tori, started going to last year, and we're definitely going to again this year. Great lineup, but it really sucks when, like, the big dollars are going to Godsmack, who have a couple good songs. Standalone's a good one. Voodoo's a good one. Cry Like a Bitch is a pretty good one. But besides from that, that kind of caps their music that I really like. The one time that I did see them play a show, of course, as a headliner at a festival, I kind of got a little bored during it. And I honestly ended up just, like, walking around the festival grounds and just kind of listening to them that way. However, they still definitely have a huge following. Now, I know that they tried like a year ago to go on tour in like Europe or something like that, and they didn't have the turnout that they wanted. I think they even ended up canceling the shows. But here in America, they could still headline just about any like relatively big size venue, and they'll just about fill it out. So, I mean, Godsmack still has the fans, but I think calling them a metal band, which I do hear a lot, I definitely think that they're one of the most overrated bands if we're going to put them in the category of a metal band. And honestly, even if we're looking hard rock, like I'd way rather listen to like Three Days Grace or Seether than turn on a Godsmack record. At number four, we have Volbeat. Once again, pretty decent band in themselves, except for the lead singer kind of sounds like fucking Cher or something like that. But, like, they're a decent band. The problem is, is they put them as like this huge band on metal festivals all the time. Either that or they open for, like, other metal bands that I feel like they don't fit with at all. Like, when I saw Volbeat, they were opening for Metallica. And then also, they opened up for Slipknot in a tour in 2019. Like, I just don't feel like they really fit in that regard. Once again, maybe a decent hard rock band still, once again, would pick plenty of other bands over listening to Volbeat. Mainly because of the vocals. And I also remember they used to get tons of plays on all the rock radio stations. Yeah, Volbeat is overrated without a doubt to me. And at number three, if you're going to fight with me on this one, I'm I'm ready to take the criticism for whoever you are. At number three, I have Baby Metal, the the K-pop metal group. I mean, I think if we're going to say that one metal band ever in the existence was an industry plant, it would have to be Baby Metal. All of the girls in Baby Metal have admitted they don't listen to metal. It was kind of like a formed band, a lot like they do in the K-pop world. I guess they were like, hey, we got these K-pop stars. Eh, we're not going to make them pop music. We're going to throw them in the metal world. And I just find like the fans of this to be very strange. Like, 
I remember that Death Clock and uh, Baby Metal toured last year, the uh, Cartoon Network band with the K-pop band, and I'm just like, Jesus, the crowd at this must be insane. I, I mean, like what you like, but I gotta say, like, I've never heard a baby metal song that I didn't want to skip. It's just a weird combo with the K-pop and the metal, especially knowing that the people in the band don't like metal. At number two, we have Ghost. We have the lead singer, Tobias Forge, and it's like his vision, and then all the nameless ghouls, and somehow this band has made it into metal, but like I feel like they're more so like a hipster band. Like There's something that I feel like a Cage the Elephant fan would like more than like a metal fan, but somehow they are definitely regarded as a metal band, when in all reality, they sound more like, and I'm sure you've heard this term before, Scooby-Doo chase music, 100% what ghost sounds like i've never actually seen ghost i've been at a festival where they've played and i've seen somebody else i would like to see one of their live shows just to see what all the hype is truly about but to me having never seen any of their shows and really just not liking any of the music they put out they they make the number two spot especially with how popular they are and then finally at number one we have the mother of all overrated metal bands come on you know the answer it's tool Tool, the band that's like basically like a butt rock band, but plays 12 minute songs with like heavy riffs and shit in them. And like, see, the thing is, like, Tool, you go see Tool and they play 12 songs the whole time. And half the time, they don't even play the hit songs that you want to hear. Like, their last album, they played like six songs from it, even to this day when you see them live. And like, you know, you're wasting half the set list on this new stuff when you have these fans when you have fans of your whole discography and to me that's just that's just crazy to think about and you know tool has like 15 minute songs and their fans are really the thing that that ruins tool for everybody is how smart people who listen to this music think that they are when like in all reality like stuff that's accessible and fun like you know like a three minute song like instead you get this long song and you're like i don't get it and they're like you're just not smart enough to get it you don't play music like tool is definitely a band for musicians but then it's also a band for these people that want to talk about how great they are and how dumb you are for not understanding and like i feel like tool fans just really put down all of the other fans more than anybody else and that solidifies tool in the spot of the number one most overrated metal bands of all time and that's going to do it for today, guys. This has been an episode of Zack Attacks. Thank you for listening. I'm still going to do interviews, but I'm planning on following this format a little bit more and putting out way more episodes. So once again, thank you for listening.